this way, okay, so I'm going to go off just to get the kind of tilt it a little bit, but that's okay. But I'm not going to leave you guys out here. So this evening, or the, the nice thing about doing these Wednesday night uh, devotionals is that uh, we can go into really topics that, you know, you can't cover on Sunday morning, you know, because because sometimes you'll be stepping on toes. And, and we know that on Wednesday night, you know, we, we, we really have uh, the proverbial pillars, uh, folks that are, that are here pretty much every time the doors are open. And, and so uh, we're going to talk about a topic that We've all probably, in a cursory manner, once, you know, at one point in time, have talked to people about, and hopefully clarify some myths uh, around it. And I, and I call it, you know, does God offer uh, fire insurance or life assurance? And so we know that there are a lot of professing uh, Christians out there that believe that, um, in, and, and they believe in Jesus basically to escape the fires and tortures of hell. And that's all they want. You know, they want to get out of, of, of going to hell. Um, they don't have any, any desire, really, of changing their lifestyle, uh, to live uh, in, a, in, a, in a holy manner, which, which really, by holy, it's really talking about set apart for his purpose, right? And, and that's what the Bible really demands that we do once we, we're, we're born again. So is it right uh, for people to use the gospel as, as what we call fire insurance, right? And so this is, this is again, one of those good topics uh, for our Wednesday night. And, um, and so I'm going to lead this discussion off with a couple of Bible verses. And the, uh, the, the first one is Revelation 20:15, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Matthew 25, 46. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Matthew 13, 50. And shall cast them into the furnace of fire, where shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. 2 Thessalonians 1, 9. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. And so... A lot of people will hear these these verses and see these verses, um, and and hear hellfire and damnation type sermons, and be literally scared to death, right? Scared to death. And we can debate all night uh, about you know whether uh, a Christian that is saved makes makes a profession of faith and then we don't see him again ever again in a, in a church, whether they were truly saved. And that's that's really the discussion, right? And I was even debating, well, is this an appropriate topic for, for the devotional Wednesday night? And, and, and let me tell you, the Holy Spirit always, always uh, provides the answer because I was thinking about that and, and two Wednesdays ago when the preacher started talking about this and he was talking about all the people that he was going to meet in heaven that were saved back in the day when they had all these tent revivals and they would come in and hear these hellfire and damnation preachers, evangelists, uh, preach about this and get saved. Okay. And maybe that's the only thing they did, right? But they got saved. And they're going to meet them in, in heaven someday. And so we should never judge somebody that makes a profession of faith and, and we sh because we really shouldn't pretend to know what was in their heart, right? And, uh, and let's face it, most of us have some
some sort of insurance on their home right now, right? Uh, kind of ridiculous not to have any type of insurance in your house. Um, and, and, and sometimes when you pay that, pay that bill and the bill seems to get higher every year, and you go, do I really need this thing? Do I really, do I really need this insurance? And, and really the answer to that is there's only one time you really need fire insurance, that's when your house burns down, right? And so um, most people don't, you know, they have it because the bank requires it. Uh, but if you don't owe anything on your house, you know, do you really need it? And, and, and the answer to that is what if somebody said, you know, your house is going to burn down maybe tonight, maybe 20 years, maybe 30 years. But it, it is eventually one day it's going to burn down. But you go and get fire insurance. Because you know, well, it's going to happen. Well, so same situation applies. We know that you know there's a fire coming, right? So again, is salvation fire insurance? This I say then: walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Galatians five so sixteen. And so, uh, I'm sure you've heard a lot of the uh, criticism of from Christians um, and those who claim to be saved, but yet they don't have any visible fruit. And I've even heard pastors say, well, if we don't have any fruit, are we really saved? You know? And, and um, you know, in other words, a person doesn't want to go to hell, but their life doesn't seem to change much. Uh, they fail to show any outward fruit, any interest in spreading the gospel, serving the Lord, going to church, growing in the knowledge of the Bible, so on and so, so forth. And we often say, well, they're kind of on thin ice when it comes to salvation. And I think we can simplify this um, and say that um, they, they do want to avoid an eternity in hell. And so professions of faith have been made by a lot of people with just that in mind. And I say amen to that. You know, they get, they get saved. Um, they hear a, a, a sermon. They get touched by the Holy Spirit. They make a profession of, uh, of faith and, and amen to that. Um, but what about those people that just have a head knowledge about salvation? And they, and, they, and they really, it's not really fire insurance for them. It's just more of a Las Vegas bet. Well, just in case there's life after death, yeah, okay, I'll believe that. I'll agree with what you're saying. I'll agree that there's a God. And, and, and that, that is not faith. And so, which brings us to, to the next question then, uh, you know, what is faith? And so, uh, the secular definition, this is just straight out of a dictionary, and says that uh, complete trust or confidence in someone or something, belief in God based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. And, of course, that's what the secular world says, right? That you can't prove the existence of God. But I say you absolutely can. You ac absolutely can. And, and you can easily do this based on history, based on witness testimonies, proof of the spiritual realm. And you take scripture and you line it up with history and it all fits together in this perfect puzzle. And, 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 you, can, and you can confirm exactly uh, what God did and what he said what he was going to do and how it was accomplished. And, we, and we've covered all of this, right? And so the next question is, um, how much faith should we have? And is it enough, right? And so most people don't think that or don't ask that question. Also, what is trust? And, and again, the definition on here says, firm belief in the reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something, right? 
So, so how much is enough? And I believe when it comes to faith um, and putting our trust in God, either you have it or you don't. And it's that simple. Either you have it or you don't. There's no such thing as being a little bit pregnant. Either you are or you're not. Right? There's no in between. Verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, be moved hence to yonder place, and it shall be moved, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Matthew 17, 20. Matthew 21, 22. And all things whatsoever you, you shall ask in prayer, believing, you shall receive. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith, not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And here's when we separate this thing of head, head knowledge from, from faith, love, and trust. 1 Corinthians 2.5, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So when someone hears the gospel message about being saved from eternity in hell, we need to uh, we need to take them to these verses, Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. And this is great because it says, you know, a lot of people believe in the spiritual world. A lot of people believe that there is a God that's, that's, that's not far enough. You're not going far enough, right? Because the devils also believe. Hebrews 11.1, 1, Thou faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. James 1, 5-6, Any of you lack wisdom? Let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. That, that means uh, that, that criticize severely, find fault with, reproach severely, scold vehemently. In other words, God will, not pro- will, God will provide this out of love. He'll provide this understanding to you, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, Nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of sea driven with the wind and tossed. And I like that ending of that verse because it talks about kind of roller coaster Christianity, right? The example here is people who will just ride the tides up and down or, or better yet, who seek the Lord when there's only a high tide. When the, when the water gets up to here, then we, then, we, then we scream out, Jesus, take the wheel. I don't remember that song, right? And, and what bothered me is like, yeah, okay, you're going you're gonna to pray, you know, when, there's, when, when you're about ready to go off a cliff or something like that. But you haven't even thought of God, you know, the, the, in months, right? So I don't like referring to salvation as fire insurance, but, but we'll, we will, uh, uh, we know that it will prevent people from going through the fire. But we will describe it as life assurance, and I prefer to, to think of it that way. Life assurance, since uh, we can reap the benefits now, right now, and then later in eternity. And it's not placing a bet or hedging your bets. It's the realization that all have an appointment to make. We're all going to get to the same destination. And so we have to choose wisely. That while we're here in this physical form, um, there is so much that God wants to provide for us. And God provides much more than just just taking us from an existence in hell, right? He has so much more in store for us. First John five twelve. He that he he that hath the Son hath life. 
and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. So there's no greater joy to hear about someone accepting Jesus as a personal Savior. We have praise reports from people of my, my, my son, my cousin, my aunt, my whatever got saved, and we all rejoice because we know that they've just been saved from, a, from eternal damnation, from torment. And, and they now have that access to the full blessings of God. Life assurance, right? Every human who's born physically alive is spiritually dead, separated from God. And we need a spiritual life complete. It completes us, our, our body, soul, mind. Um, and the only way we get that life is by being born again from above, right? Born again from above. And you say, you say that term, born again, today, and people look at you funny, you know, and, and, and they, they say, you must be one of those evangelical Christians, aren't you, you know? Well, there's no such thing. A Christian is a Christian is a Christian. And born again is in the Bible. It's not something that's made up. It's not something, some sort of catchphrase. It's not something that uh, evangelists came up with. On the contrary, John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 1 Peter 1.23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Romans 6.4, therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead, by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And that's the exact uh, symbolism that the full immersion baptism that, 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 that we go through as Baptists. Second Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All things should be new to us. We should be ready to put that life, that old life behind us, right? And when a person believes the gospel, he or she becomes a child of God by faith in Jesus Christ, Galatians 3.26. And that's just what we call justified by faith. You are declared not guilty in, in the courtroom of God Almighty, right? You have passed from death to life, John 5.24. And that happens instantaneously when you believe the gospel. You are born again spiritually as God's child. The truth is that at that point, at that point, we have God's life assurance beginning at that point in this realm, in this existence that we have now, and into the spiritual realm. So receiving spiritual life will keep you from needing fire insurance, right? Uh, and, and those who receive the spiritual life by faith in Christ will never end up in the lake of fire. And most importantly, you have that life with assurance of salvation with blessings here and now. And those that just want to get fire insurance out of, the, out of the thing, they struggle in their physical existence. Because not only will they feel like an outcast within the world, because now you have a saved Christian, someone that's going to heaven, that turned their back on the gospel and is out in the world, they're always going to feel like an outcast out there. Um, and then they, they, they miss out. 
God's not going to be able to provide that blessing that he has for them because now they're living outside his will. And you don't look at that as a punishment. They did it to themselves because it's really simple. God says, walk my path. Walk my path, and I have all these things, all these blessings for you because you're going to be in my, in my will. You're going to be doing the doing the things that I, that I would like for you to see doing. We, I have provided you with all these gifts. You're going to be able to serve me using the gifts that you're provided, and, 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 and I will continue to, to shower you with blessings. Go the other path, you're on your own. You're going to be going into the woods, and you're going to be up to your elbows and spiders and snakes and, <laughs> and thickets and, and thorns and so, so on and so forth. And as a backslidden Christian, that's what it's like. I know. I've been there. My, my, my father-in-law had an interesting story that just made me think about it. When he was stationed in Guam, a whole bunch of guys from his base decided to walk over to this lake that is on, on a reservoir on, on, on the top of this mountain. And they had this uh, switchback road that kind of meandered up to the top of the mountain. They put the road up. They went and swam in the lake, and on the way back, they were going to take the road back. Now, he used to just swim. Him and his buddy, they could see the bottom of the mountain. They could see the, <laughs> the road. And he says, hey, the straightest uh, way from point A to point B is a straight line. Let's just go right through. We're going to go right through the, 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 the woods, and we'll get there quicker. We're going to beat everybody down there. And his buddy says, okay, let's go. And as soon as they got in the woods, it was like a wall of, of trees and brush. And they didn't have any machetes or anything. So they're having to go through all this stuff. The other guys are just leisurely walking down, just taking the, taking the road. And as they get through the first thing, they get to the road. Do they get back on the road? No, they, they well, got this far. So we got to keep on going. We're going to meet these guys down there. And so sure enough, it only took them almost an extra hour that when they got through, you know, they're all cut up. They're all dirty. They're all sweaty. And the other guys that took the road, they're just like tripping on it up, you know. And it made me think that that's going to be that's gonna be the disparity between people in, in heaven and, and those that follow the way. They're going to get up there, and, and they're going to have all these horror stories of everything they encountered because they didn't take the path that they were supposed to, okay? And so this is a good time to talk about what makes us who we are, our, our mind, our personality. Science today has no idea how to unlock the secrets of our minds. Um, you can take a, 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 a cadaver brain and look at two cadaver brains, and you know all the anatomical things associated with it, but you can't, you can't tell what personality each one was. This person's really funny. This person's really stoic. You can't tell. There's no way. And even today, you know, the medications they have for uh, mental illness is, is, is trial and error. They can't tell you exactly why that works in a particular way. And so uh, it's, it's still a secret. Different, different uh, personalities, different brains, different people. And then we have our body that injects us with so many hormones and our sense of smell. Um, and, and we react to temperature. And, we don't, and we're not eating. We get angry. <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Our body demands so many things from us. 
And then our spirit, and some people are able to tap into that a lot better than others. You can be sitting there in, in the Gator Stadium, you know, waiting for the game to start, you know, eating your popcorn, and all of a sudden you sense that somebody's looking at you. And you look over, and you see somebody that's staring at you, lock eyes for like two seconds. Because then you look away because then it's creepy and weird. And you're like, did I, did I stare at them or they stare at me? But the thing is, but you knew somebody was looking at you. You know? And that's just a small thing. You know, you, you have twins that live in different states. One gets into a car accident. What happens to the other one? They, they feel that pain. They feel that there's something happened. Sometimes they actually feel the pain over here. And the sister in the accident just says, well, I didn't feel anything. And, it, and that's that whole uh, spiritual connection that we all have, right? So physical bodily death is built into our obsolescence in our body. But we're, er, and so we're destined to die physically. But spiritually in conscious form, we have life everlasting. John 5, 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death, meaning bodily, unto life, meaning spiritually, right? Once you're a, a God's child, you're always his. You can be a dis disobedient one. You know, we've all have to experience those at one point. Maybe you, you got to uh, give that to your parents as a dis disobedient child, right? But you always remain his, right? No one can snatch you out of God's hand. You receive everlasting life, the forgiveness of sins. Uh, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. Uh, you will never perish in the lake of fire. And it's all uh, not based on anything you do, good or bad, completely based on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ who promised that whosoever, right, believes in him has everlasting life, John 3.16, John 6.47. And these are all basic concepts to us, right, uh, to our Wednesday night group here. Um, but we should never lose the joy of hearing it, right? Uh, we should never get tired of hearing it, of pointing it out, uh, to, to ponder it, uh, to understand it, to study it. Um, and, and, and most important, importantly, we should never say, well, if, if, if there's people that aren't living the Christian life like I am, well, gee, they must not be saved. Don't judge them because they sin differently than me, right? That's my favorite thing. And so you'll never hear me say that, well, they quit coming to church, so maybe they weren't saved. Um, or, um, you know, they, um, they're going to a different church, you know, that, that, that maybe is, is, uh, is a little more, more contemporary, so they must not be saved. Or maybe they, they use the KJV uh, Bible, so they must not be saved. No, you'll never hear me say that. Um, although I've heard, I've heard people say that from time to time, right? And maybe you, you have too. But the point of tonight's study is a, a person who only wants a, a fire insurance salvation misses out on all the other blessings that the Lord has for them. They also neglect one important thing, and that is uh, the commission that every one of us have, right? We all have this commission. Matthew 28, 19, go ye. And who's he talking to? He's talking to us, right? To you, to me. Go ye, therefore, 
and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So to me, this is not one of those things in the Bible that you read and you go, oh, he's just saying, well, if you have, you know, if you get, if you have some time, can you, can you go ahead and do this? If, can, if you, you have an opportunity, if you have a chance, no, it doesn't say that. It says this is a, this is a commission. And I like the, the, the definition of commissions that, that, I, that I Googled and, and they had here. Because as a plural noun, commissions means an instruction, a command, or duty given to a person or group of people, a group of people officially charged with a particular function. As a verb, said commissions give an order for or authorize the production of something, such as a building, piece of equipment, a work of art. Bring something newly produced, such as a factory, a machine, into working condition. I like all the, I like all the definitions of that. You know, because I, I, I think that you can, you can translate that into spreading the gospel message, you know, helping that person then become a new creature, a different, a different form, a different person. I think all of it applies. And, and we have plenty of opportunities here to, to carry that out. We have a whole board full of missionaries in the back. Um, we pray for them. Uh, we're going to be uh, studying them tonight. We have an opportunity to not only monetarily support them, um, but that from time to time we've had people from this church go out and and uh, and assist some of them personally out in the mission field, um, and and so you know we we ask ourselves then that how does that work for people that aren't coming to church? How does that work for that fire insurance Christian that's just out there and then is, is not living for the Lord? Well, they're not carrying out the Great Commission. And, and nor can they spread the gospel message of salvation because they have no testimony. You know, they try to talk to somebody about Jesus, and the first thing they're going to do is say, well, look at you. Yeah, what are you doing? Believe me, I've been there. As a backslidden Christian and, and somebody asking about what happens to you when you die, and I get really excited, oh, I know, this, that, and the other. And they go look at you and go, well, why are you – you're not a Christian, are you? Because they had no idea that I was back then Christian. Talk about, you know, getting convicted <laughs> pretty really fast when that happens. And then, and then eventually you don't, you don't want to tell anybody, right? Again, you're, you're an outcast out in the world. And so we do our Bible studies to get a better grasp on the Word of God, but I also uh, like to give a practical application for discipleship that we all should follow. So uh, what do we tell these people that are, uh, just fire insurance Christians. Well, we take them to Second Peter 1, 5 through 10, and, and it says, And besides this, verse 5, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity, love. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, this is the flip side. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he has heard from the old sins 
Well, this is a key verse, especially for this other topic of losing your salvation, because does it say that you're going to lose your salvation, you're going to go to hell? It doesn't say that. It says they, they had forgotten that he's purged from his old sins. Verse 10, wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to this duty, make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall not, you should never fall. So he's saying, once you get saved, make sure your, your election sure, walk the path, stay faithful, add to your knowledge. These are all the things here, all the blessings that the Lord has for you. And he's going to continue to bless you, and he's going to continue to work on you, and he's going to and, and he's going to work in your life, and you're going to continue to improve. And the clarity of all this scripture to me is you walk with the Lord, and you have sure footing, right? But you're outside his will, you're going to fall. It says you're going to fall, you're going to fall, right? If you're a backslidden Christian, you know how things just slip through your hand, and it feels like as you move, try to move through life, it's one step forward, and it's two steps back. And these scriptures tell the, the Christian to increase in knowledge, that everyone should, should be here when the door is open, um, that you take it upon yourself to study the Bible, uh, that you support the Great Commission. And how can we be assured if we have a relationship with Christ that's real and that we're going to heaven when we die? Well, Second Peter tells us to be thinking about this in order to, to be sure that this is true, a real relationship with Jesus. It's just that, something that is ongoing, growing, and active, constantly, knowledge. You know, as we think about our relationship, our earthly relationship that we have, when we exchange vows with somebody in a marriage ceremony, is that the end? Is that all you have to do to have a successful marriage? You get up and you exchange vows and you're done. That's all you got to do, right? You don't have to do anything else. Well, we know that's not right. If you know you can exchange vows at 11 a.m. and it's all kissing, chasing, love, and, and sweetness, but by 11 p.m. you're probably arguing about, you know, what family member misbehaved during the reception or who behaved better, yours or theirs, because it's normally yours, right? But anyway, um, and if you've been married for more than a week, you know that it's, it's a process, something you have to, to work on constantly, right? Um, there's lots of, uh, lots of things. So to me, a salvation experience should not end the moment, you know, we, we, we have somebody walk down the aisle, the, morning, the moment somebody raises their hand and makes a profession of faith, right? Um, the moment that they trust in Jesus. Imagine if you got, imagine if you got married and the very next day you wake up in the morning and you, and you look at your spouse and says, okay, so what are you going to do for me now? You know, what are you going to do for me now? And, and, and unfortunately, that's how people approach God. Okay, I'm saved. Where's my showers of blessings? What are you going to do for me now? And, and, and that's how they approach it. And, and we know that when we follow Jesus, our faith will grow and other attributes will be added along the way as we become more like him, right? More like Jesus, Christ-like. We will grow more in control of ourselves as we get rid of those bad habits and we recognize sin and repent it, repent from it, and, and it's, a, it's a continual process improvement. We show ourselves godlier in our living and, and, and more caring and, and more loving to others, and these changes occur uh, because of the power of the Holy Spirit. 
pray about it, we work on it, and the Holy Spirit is stronger and is able to guide us easier, right? And, and um, the flip side of this is being in a really noisy, noisy room called the world. And imagine trying to hold a conversation in a room like that, everybody's talking at the same time. And, and it can be done, and your mind will adjust. And you can focus on one person, and you will hear that one person, and you will be able to carry out a conversation. But as soon as your mind wanders and try to listen to other conversations, you're not going to be able to hear that person talking to you. And, and, and so you can't hear the gentle voice of the Holy Spirit that's paying attention to all the other conversations coming at you in the world. Today, we have plenty of conversations. We have plenty of noise coming at us, especially across social media, right? And so uh, for our Wednesday night group, the question is, can, how can we help those that are on this journey, right? So again, our discipleship in, it revolves around this continuing, continuous dying and, and rising with Christ as we grow in faith. Jesus cleanses us from sin, reshapes us in his own image again and again, and we just allow him to reshape our priorities, change our attitudes, right, in a loving way. And then we study his word, and then we strive to serve in all opportunities according to the gift that he's given us. Uh, and, and so we then naturally reach out in love to those around us, and they in turn sees the love of Christ reflected in us and it strengthens our faith and theirs. Right? So as we uh, wrap up tonight, got a couple of takeaways for you. So the number one thing uh, that we do it, that marries up to the Great Commission is spreading the gospel, talking to people about their faith, seeing where they're at, uh, giving them the guidance, and, and, and trying not to be hypercritical about those that say, well, I was saved, but... You know, I had a bad experience in church, or somebody looked at me wrong, or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, just, just shower them with love. Tell them what your experiences are with church, and you know, and and and, and let the uh, Holy Spirit uh, work there. Allow people to accept the gospel message of salvation. And and I'm always very careful to say, you know, uh, you're saved now. Now. Go to a church and so on and so forth. Uh, I, I never want it to appear like you're trying to sell them on this particular church. You know, just give, just give them the gospel. Just get them get them out of hell first, and, and then say if you want to learn more, you should you should work and and, and learn and, and growth in your knowledge and so on and so forth. And never judge what's in their heart. Mentor them about service. Those that are like. Yeah, I've been wanting to go back into go back to church, but you know I got this, that, and the other going on. Talk, we got all, a whole bunch of references tonight talking about serving the Lord, talking to about being on the right path, and 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 maybe why they're going through the hardships they are in this life, because God was ready to shower them with blessings. But you're on the wrong road. These those those blessings are over here, and they was. The showers are on this side of town and not the other side of town. Um, discipleship. Help guide them to grow as you grow. And learn more about the word of God so that you have that, that knowledge. Um, and then.
never overlook the Great Commission and talking to them about mission support as well as what you're doing to provide for, for missions out and sharing the gospel to, to all the world. Questions, comments, anything that resonated, something that you said, yeah, that's, that's happened to me or somebody that you thought about when we were, we were covering this. Anybody know um, fire insurance fiction? And it is, and it is one of those things, one of those topics that um, I, I've heard a lot over the years. Well, they must have not been saved then, and that, and that's a, that's that's a tough discussion. Um, but I just kind of, I just kind of avoid it because I just, I, I, I give them the benefit of the doubt because the Lord knows what's in their heart. go ahead and, and, and close our Bible study in prayer and then we'll uh, have our mission focus and our uh, prayer time.